Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is Layla. And I'm Sophia. And, and we are unapologetic. unapologetic. Welcome to this year's Ramadan series. Ramadan is a month in which the Quran was sent down. It is not only a month to recite, but it's also for reflection and implementation. So for this year's series, we would like to once again connect us all back to the Qur'an through going over specific heart-softening and admonishing verses of the Qur'an. The title of this episode, as you all know, is called Doubts and Desires. And the reason why is because we wanted to begin this series by sort of clearing the air on any doubts that we may have that we don't notice sometimes until it's too late. A few years ago, I remember I was at a halaqa, and a sister there had mentioned her doubts concerning Allah. She specifically mentioned that if there was a Lord so merciful, then why had certain occurrences happened in her life? At the time, we were young, so we rebuked her and didn't entertain the conversation, sort of just shutting down her doubt because we all felt uncomfortable with her claims. Fast forward to present day, and there is an overwhelming amount of Muslims who live with these same doubts, claiming they don't know if they believe in Allah equating the universe and mother nature to Allah. And of course, it's easy to act self-righteous, like we've never experienced these doubts. Or we can actually stop and discuss what many of us today are facing, and that's doubts and desires. Why do you think this is a topic that many people avoid? It's a hard pill to swallow. Imagine being raised upon something your whole life. You were taught to wear the hijab and there's no questioning it. To believe in Allah and you don't know him. To follow the Qur'an and Sunnah in a language foreign to you that you don't understand. So you've been handed a religion that you've never been taught. But you stick to it to keep to the status quo. You know, maybe your parents are strict. Your community might abandon you. So you keep your doubts to yourself. And they continue to build and build and build over time. Until one day you finally come to the conclusion that if there's all these doubts, perhaps there isn't a God. Like we claim that there is. And it's shameful to come to your parents and say, I don't quite understand the concept of a God. And maybe the response is to say, A'udhu billahi shaitan rajim for you to seek refuge in Allah from the devil, or for you to keep quiet, or they might even in turn insult you or punish you. But keeping quiet with the doubts only leads to dead ends. And you know, I don't want this to be taken out of context. It's not that we're saying everyone should have doubts, or even glorifying this culture of having doubts, but we're talking about the reality, and that's a hard pill to swallow for most people. The truth is that majority of our youth have some sort of doubt on the spectrum. And while not everyone doubts there's a concept of God, some might doubt the concept of Qadr, divine decree. Some might doubt hell and heaven, afterlife, or the messengers. The problem here is that if we don't talk about these issues in our gatherings and in our masajids, we are going to continue to see an abundance of Muslim youth leaving the religion because of mere doubts that could have been solved. And it's sad because many youth don't actually know where to turn to. Maybe they aren't as tech-savvy when it comes to searching for authentic religious knowledge, or maybe they don't even know where to start. And many of our youth were taught a religion that kind of became a culture. We wore the hijab because it's culturally acceptable to do so. We went to Quran classes because it was culturally acceptable to do so, but it didn't exceed beyond that. So there was no visible Islam in our households or we were not explained or taught anything. And now at 20 something, someone wakes up and says, why have I been doing these things my whole life with no explanation? What should a person do when they are finally overwhelmed and overtaken by these doubts? By no means are we scholars or anything even close to that. 
but I am in my youth just like everyone else struggling. And I have went through what everyone else is going through. And I think just like you. For me, what always makes the most sense first is logic. First, you have to believe in the concept of God. And how do you do that? Forget about science. Forget about your world religions class or anything factual. Wake up and take a deep breath. How did you breathe? Did you think about it for a second or was it manual and you did it without thinking? Stop blinking for a minute and your eyes will begin to water. Now imagine if you didn't blink for an hour, how painful would that be? But yet you didn't have to send signals to your eyelids to blink. A person needs to look no further than the world around them, the sun and how it rises and sets without delay every day. Surely if this was created by men, then there would be fault in it, wouldn't there? Why does the world run so smoothly despite all the chaos, the planets in orbit, the star shining? Think of it for a second. There is no error in the creation of the earth. There is nothing we can think of to make it better. It has been made in perfection. And who can make something in perfection except one who is perfect? If your intellect leads you here, then you must realize and know that humans are not perfect nor capable of being perfect. So there must be a higher power that is perfect and in control of all the affairs that humans themselves are not in control of. Cognitive scientist Justin Barrett mentioned that belief in God and beliefs more generally are formed and obtained in two ways. The first way is non-reflective beliefs that result from experience. A person experiences something that leads them to believe in a God. Or the second belief, which is reflective, a conscious belief that results from thought. The human being naturally forms beliefs from these two sources. Similarly, the case for Allah's existence in the Quran and Sunnah involves both sources of beliefs. Heart-based appeals based on intuition and mind-based appeals based on rational reflection. In regards to belief that results from experience, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-A'raf, verse 172, and mention when your Lord took from the children of Adam, from their loins, their descendants, and made them testify of themselves, saying to them, Am I not your Lord? They said, Yes, we have testified. This lest you should say on the day of resurrection, indeed, we were of this unaware. And in hadith, we learn that the messenger of Allah wasallam said, every child is born upon the fitrah. It is only his parents who turn him into a Jew, a Christian, or a fire worshiper. Just as animals are born having full bodies, do you see any of them having a cut-off nose when they are born? All people were born to be believers in God, and the revelations of the prophets simply awaken and reinforce the disposition that is already inside of us. Even people who don't believe in one God, who believe in multiple gods, they often believe that there is an even higher power, an even greater God over them all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Luqman, verse 25, and if you asked them who created the heavens and earth, they would surely say Allah. Say, all praise is due to Allah, but most of them do not know.
And in Surah Ankabut, verse 65, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِذَا رَكِبُوا فِي الْفُلْكِ دَعَوُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينِ فَلَمَّا نَجَّاهُمْ إِلَى الْبَرِّ إِذَا هُمْ يُشْرِكُونَ And when they board a ship, they supplicate Allah, sincere to him in religion. But when he delivers them to land, at once they associate others with him. And this ayat, subhanAllah, if we actually put it into context of our lives, when we are going through trials and tribulations, it doesn't matter what our religious beliefs are. We always say, you know, oh God, help me. Oh, please God, get me through this. God is with me. God will see me through this. Because it fits our agenda. It fits our human need for a higher power to be able to help us. And this goes for anyone, for a Muslim, you know, for somebody who's not Muslim, for an atheist. Whenever we are experiencing or dealing with something that is beyond our human power we right away call upon God and as soon as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delivers us from this he gives us that grade we wanted you know he gives us that income that we really needed we turn our backs and act like we just didn't beg Allah yesterday if we look at human nature we are taught to reflect and naturally as humans we do reflect we like to go to destinations like Bali or maybe local like Scarborough Bluffs and we like to take pictures of the scenery around us we take pictures of the sunset and the sunrise, the mountains, the water. Why? Because reflection is actually a part of our natural predisposition. And in order to actually come to the right conclusions, it's actually very important to take time out to reflect, to stop, to think, and to smell the roses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah At-Tur, verses 35 to 36. <laughs> Or were they created by nothing? Or were they the creators of themselves? Or did they create the heavens and the earth? Rather, they are not certain. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking us questions here. So say if you wanted to come up with the answer to these questions, right? There's only three possible answers you could come with. So the first is... The universe appeared without any agent to bring it into existence. The second possibility might come with is that people, humans, created themselves. And the third possibility is that the universe had to have been created. So the first two are impossible. It could not be the case that the universe appeared from nothing without any reason, purpose, or force. An everyday experience informs us that all the things that we witness in life, every effect that we see, must have an explanation at some level. The second, that people created themselves, can be dismissed right away. The only reasonable conclusion is that the universe was created. It had to have been created. It was made to exist by something greater and more powerful than itself. It was narrated from Abu Hanifa that some philosophers intended to discuss with him the establishment of the existence of only one creator. Abu Hanifa said, Tell me before we speak on this matter about a ship on the Tigris River, moving by itself and filled with food, goods, and other materials. Then it goes back by itself. Then it anchors itself. Then it unloads itself and continues to do all of this without anyone to manage it. They said, This could never happen. Abu Hanifa said, If it is impossible for a ship, then how is it possible for the entire world in all of its vastness? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentioned in the Qur'an appealing to the intellect of a person. In Surah Ali Imran, verses 190 and 191, Allah says, 
Indeed, in the creation of the heavens and the earth, and the alternation of the night and the day, are signs for those of understanding, who remember Allah while standing, or sitting, or lying on their sides, and give thought to the creation of the heavens and the earth, saying, Our Lord, you did not create this aimlessly. Exalted are you above such a thing. Then protect us from the punishment of the fire. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here that indeed in the creation of the heavens and the earth, so everything that we see from the sky and its spaciousness and the earth and its expanse and density and the seas and the mountains and the deserts, the trees, the plants, the fruits, the animals. So these people that reflect in the alternation of the night and the day as one follows closely after the other. Allah says, these are signs for those of understanding, meaning those with intellect and intelligence and sound minds that contemplate about the true reality of things, not like the deaf, the dumb, and the blind who do not have sound comprehension. Not only that, but these are the people who remember Allah in all situations, lying down, standing, sitting, whether they are happy, sad, in every situation, they don't only remember Allah when they open up the Qur'an. They don't only remember Allah in the month of Ramadan. They are looking around and remembering Allah because of the birds that fly above them or the fish that flow from beneath them. So because of this reflection, they reach the right conclusions. They say, our Lord, you have not created this aimlessly, meaning Allah did not create all of this without purpose. There's a reason behind this. There has to be a reason behind this. And they come to this conclusion. Not only that, but they also ask Allah to be protected from the punishment of the fire. So they understand who Allah is, and they've truly understood the concept of an afterlife, a hereafter. It's crazy also because the more we look into the topic of the existence of God, the more real it becomes. And these doubts, if you really stop to look at them, are caused by a lack of knowledge. You don't know who Allah is, so it's easier to disbelieve. The first verse of the Quran that was revealed in this blessed month was, Iqra, recite, read. Allah's first command was to recite. And this is because it takes a person from the state of ignorance to understanding. When a person reads, he opens himself up to a sea full of knowledge. If a person has a doubt or multiple doubts, it is incumbent upon him to read upon them. If you don't believe in angels, then learn about them. If you don't understand the concept of hijab or abstaining from zina, then go and read up on these topics. It is not for one to continue with their doubts and let doubts upon doubts build upon each other. It is upon a person to go out and seek this knowledge wherever it might be or however hard it might be. And a lot of times, you know, these doubts actually stem from not even knowing the Quran not understanding the Quran. You know, we read Quran growing up in Arabic. You know, very few of us have ever maybe opened up a translation of the 
Quran. And even if we open up a translation of the Quran, sometimes, you know, it's hard to understand it if you don't know the context of the ayat or the background to it or, you know, a deeper explanation to it. And how does somebody who is foreign to the Quran, who's a stranger to the Quran, know even that there's a world of tafsir, that there's a world of the explanation of the Quran, right? So you open up the Quran searching for this guidance, you know, you read a one-two verse and you don't understand it. So you close it and walk away from it. And you allow your doubts to continue to build up. And maybe you go to someone who you think is learned and you ask them a question, but their question doesn't satisfy you because maybe they're not ready to answer that question. Maybe they're not knowledgeable enough to answer that question. So my advice to anyone dealing with doubts ultimately is read. Iqra. That was a command from your Lord. Follow that command. Obey that command. Read everything possibly that you can. Learn about Allah before you meet Allah. In Surah Taha, verse number 114, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to make dua and say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this beautiful du'a. Rabbi zidni ilma. My Lord, increase me in knowledge. And this is a du'a that I'm sure all of us have seen before. Whether you are a student of knowledge, whether you are a high school student, a post-secondary student, when it comes to exams, when it comes to tests, this is one of the first du'as that we share with others and one of the first du'as that we say ourselves. We say, my Lord, increase me in knowledge. And this ayah, this verse, it teaches us that a person should ask Allah and beseech Allah for knowledge because knowledge is in the hands of Allah. And not only knowledge of the deen, knowledge of the dunya, whether it's biology or chemistry or English, the knowledge that we seek comes from Allah, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a source. Sometimes it's easy for us to run to our laptops and, you know, search a question on Google or run to a professor or go to an imam, go to a sheikh, go to our teacher. But we forget to ask Allah. We forget to ask Allah for that knowledge. We forget to ask Allah to show us the way. If we're confused and we have these doubts and we don't know where to go or who to ask, the first one that we should think of is Allah. And just being humble about it and realizing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows and you do not know. Allah knows everything and you might know something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who knows your heart better than you do. Allah knows the doubts that you deal with. Allah knows what you struggle with. Allah knows the questions that you have that you don't quite have the answer to yet. Allah knows these things. So who better to ask than him? Who better to humbly bow to in prostration than Allah? Asking him and just being real with yourself and saying, Allah, I don't know. Show me the way. Allah, I don't have knowledge. Give me insight in this. Oh Allah, I have doubts, remove them from me. When we go before Allah and when we stand before Allah with that humility, wanting to change, Allah will change us. When we ask Allah, Allah remove these doubts, Allah will remove them. The reality is sometimes we are too arrogant to even realize that these doubts are leading us off the path. So ask Allah and be convinced that he will answer. Sometimes, you know, it's not only about the doubts, but in some cases, a person's desires are what leads them to doubts. So you meet an individual and this individual is not inclined to wearing hijab. They don't want to wear the hijab. They might want to wear tighter clothes. So it's easier for them to say, I don't believe in hijab. I don't believe in the concept of having to cover yourself. I believe that everyone has, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of individuality. 
right? And it's harder as a human to stop and be like, you know, I'm at fault here. You know, it's me. I am the problem, right? And it's harder for a person to take accountability and ownership over their mistakes. It's easier to blame it on something that you might not see. It's the hijab. It's not me. I don't believe in the hijab, right? It's easier for you to say, you know, maybe I don't believe in the existence of a God because it's harder to say I go against everything that God tells me to. That's something that we have to stop as humans and realize when I desire something, right? When I begin to doubt something even, am I doubting this because I really want to do the opposite and I'm arrogant? I don't want to say that, right? I think that I'm right and my opinion is better. And you know, it's all about looking in the mirror and asking yourself, what do I really want? You know, when you think about sometimes people that, for example, don't pray five times a day, right? They don't think that salah is wajib. They don't think that it's necessary, right? So instead of them saying to themselves, you know what, I have a problem with salah. I have a problem with praying and maybe I can't fit into my schedule or maybe I don't even see the importance of it. It's easier for them to leave the religion or say, you know what, I'm not a Muslim. And when you ask such a person, why do you not consider yourself a Muslim? They will say, I don't pray. So that means I'm not a Muslim, right? So it's about looking at the the core and the origin of it. So your problem maybe isn't with Islam. Your problem is with praying five times a day, right? And once you learn and once you gain knowledge and understand that, so when you realize and you learn that, you know, prayer was in fact gifted to our Prophet wasallam during a very hard time in his life, you view it differently. You don't look at it as a burden anymore. You look at it as something that you want to rush to, you want to hasten to. So it all comes down to knowledge. When there's no knowledge, we open the doors to doubts and desires. Once we gain knowledge, those doors and those gateways actually start to close. And a lot of times people think that, you know, gain knowledge and that's it. No more doubts, no more desires. When in reality, you know, the shaitan is working against us, right? Around the clock. (laughs) Correct. And Mm -hmm. there will always be times in a person's life during different milestones where this doubt occurs or this desire happens, right? Maybe at one period in my life, my, you know, desire was never to take off the hijab. In fact, maybe I wore jilbab and niqab. But now maybe I start, you know, hanging around a different group of people or going to a different frequent location and because of that now I desire to take off the hijab right and it's interesting because look at people who have knowledge Allah mentions it in the Quran right and Allah talks about those who we gave them the guidance we gave them the knowledge and then follow their desires right and Allah refers to these people as wrongdoing people these people are wronging themselves because There's one group of people who, you know, they don't know. They don't know anything. You know, they weren't taught anything. They just basically follow whatever they know, right? And that's not much. But there's another group of people that Allah taught them scripture. He taught them the book. They recite the Quran as Allah mentioned, right? They take classes. They're in the masajid. They take fiqh, aqidah, you name it, and they've studied it. But yet a desire befalls them and they run to it. Instead of troubleshooting that desire and sort of going back to everything I learned. Okay, so my desire, right? now is maybe I want to start showing my hair. Maybe I want to wear tighter clothes. Okay, if I'm somebody who's learned, let me stop and go over Surah Al-Nur. Let me start and go over, you know, the ayats in the Quran that discuss hijab, that discuss who's my mahram, who's my non-mahram, right? And looking at it in that context. And you know, sometimes our doubts and our desires actually lead us to changing who we are, the way that we view ourselves and the way that we act around people. So maybe you become someone who wants to please those around you. It could be Muslims, it could be non-Muslims. Allah says in the Quran that the Jews and the Christians, they will never be pleased with you until you follow their religion, meaning you leave your deen and you follow theirs. And you know, that can maybe be seen with 
Maybe prayer comes in. It's Asr time. You're at the mall with your friends. You want to pray and you know your Adhan app is telling you it's time to pray. But you don't want to be that person that says, you know what? I have to leave my group of friends right now and pray. We've all been in those situations before. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says those people that follow their desires after the knowledge has come to them. And it's interesting because Allah says, you know, if you follow their desires after the knowledge has come to you, meaning that it's very, very real and very likely that desires will creep in when knowledge comes to you, as we said before, right? So it's not that you have knowledge now, you have ilm, no desires, no doubts, you are perfect on top of the world. That's not what's going to happen. These desires and these doubts will creep in, but you have to remind yourself that Allah's guidance, that is the true guidance. And Allah says, So the true guidance, the real guidance, surely Allah's guidance, that is the true guidance. And it's also sad, Sophia, if you think about it, because a lot of times somebody has a desire okay so you start off with a desire and people around you actually allow that to lead to a doubt because it's like okay so I'm a Muslim female and maybe I'm struggling with body image right maybe I don't like the way my body looks I try to make myself look more appealing and those people around me who I consider friends who I consider you know my sisters in Islam instead of helping me with what I'm struggling with you know sort of use this as a tool against me oh you know she's a zani oh she likes to you know um, beautify herself for men you know uh, people sort of begin to build this representation of you that might not even be you it's just something that you're dealing with momentarily and then this person because they're shut out by those around them that they love so much what do they do they begin to despise this religion and hate this religion and begin to actually doubt it and what pushed them to their doubt it was us because we helped shaitan leads someone astray by mere comments that we make maybe by shade that we throw by not helping someone imagine seeing somebody drowning in water and you have something to save them with right you have a floaty and you don't throw it to them and that person drowns a whole life has went to waste because of something that you could have helped somebody with you saw your sister falling you saw her not praying salad with everyone when you guys stopped you saw her slowly taking off her hijab what stopped you from reaching out to this person and saying hey i've noticed this how can I help you? How can you help me and we help each other, right? Being that better friend to one another instead of letting everything build up. And that's why it's so common in today's day and age to see everyone running from the religion. It's not because they don't believe in God. It's really not. It's because we have these shahwat, we have desires. And human beings, we were made with desires. We desire a lot of things and at the same time, right? And now if I have these desires and nobody's helping me and everyone's shutting me out, but guess who's accepting me? The non-Muslims are. The non-Muslims are ready to give me a platform, are ready to embrace me with open arms. And then the Muslim people are ready to stare me up and down for maybe a mistake that, you know, I could have prevented if somebody helped me. So sometimes we are you know, the ones who cause people to move away from the deen. We are the ones who cause people to maybe take off their hijab or to take off their abaya or to stop coming to the masjid. And if we be real for a second, let's look at social media. Maybe there's a sister, maybe there's a brother who, you know, is known for their religious content. Maybe the sister wears a niqab or a hijab or a jilbab and she has a huge following. He has a huge following and he or she falls off. We're human, right? Maybe the sister takes off her hijab. Maybe the brother is not 
the person that he was once before. What happens? What do we do? Do we support that person? Do we ask them what is going on? Do we see and do we actually care about this person? Do we think to private message them and ask them, hey, how are you doing? Or I've noticed something different about you. Or do we start to come up with our own stories in our head? This person did this, so that's why they're like, this person did this, so that's why they're like this. And sometimes, subhanAllah, we begin to gang up and bully people. And you see all the time where somebody, for example, is known to spread khayr or to spread good. And then, you know, something happens in their life and they're not as, you know, Islamic. And then we end up being enemies to them. We end up being evil to them. And never once did Allah tell us to spread evil. Never once should we look at our brother and sister in Islam and, you know, talk bad about them but sometimes we see that we actually become the workers and the tools of the devil because we push people away from the deen and it's something that we see all the time so just honestly stop and think like if you are going through something so say you're someone who's dealing with doubts and desires what support have you gained from people around you have you been someone that has been able to take a doubt away from someone or has helped someone reach the right conclusion in dealing with their desires and overcoming their desires or are you someone who actually ignites the flame you know if we're being completely honest here doubts and desires they are human they are normal i'm not sitting here and saying desires are good or doubts are good to have but you will have to deal with it the most important thing is how does someone get out of that how can someone go from being in a place of question marks and change that to full stop periods and ultimately just like we talked about during this episode it's a person has to first ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa qul rabbi zidni ilma right ask allah oh allah increase me in knowledge wake up in the middle of the night show allah that you want this that you want to know and then begin your journey don't stop you know don't little yourself either learn the quran learn its meaning learn the tafsir anything that you have a question mark about find the answer don't die questioning something right you want to die knowing that i am 100% and certain I'm going to meet my Lord and these are the conditions I'm going to meet him at and you know what's so interesting something just popped up in my head that you know when we do die if we lived with conviction we're going to be asked certain questions in the grave right and we will have to answer those questions it's not like give me some time it's not like let me ask a friend phone a friend let me you know check google or ask you know an imam you know you're going to be asked who is your lord who is your messenger and what is your deen so if we live life you know trying our best and trying to gain that certainty gain that conviction inshallah we will die and it will be something that it actually manifests and for anyone out there who's still dealing with doubts and desires you know this podcast is just it's just it's just the beginning right go out and do your own research and find out what is it that you desire what is it that you doubt about this religion right and don't just stop there get to the bottom of it if i desire not wearing hijab why is that is it because i want the attention of a certain group of people is it because i fear that i won't get a job because if i fear that i won't get a job then it's a problem with aqidah i have to begin with aqidah and learning who risk comes from who does provision come from so everything is manageable and don't ever feel like you're alone in this world of doubts and desires 
desires because everyone is going to have desires until they meet Allah. But life is a journey about battling through those doubts and desires and remaining strong and believing in Allah and supplicating to him, right? Our hearts are in the hands of Allah and that's why we should supplicate and make dua. Ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qalbi ala deenik, right? Oh Allah, oh turner of the hearts, make my heart firm upon your religion. Firmness means that when the wind blows, you don't shake. A desire comes your way, you can brush it off. A doubt comes your way, you know the answer to it. And you know, and the last thing that I want to leave off with is that you won't always have the answer to everything. You won't always know the answer. You might not be able to find the answer. And that's okay. As human beings, you know, in this life, we don't know the answer to everything. It just all comes down to trusting in Allah. Because if Allah controls the universe and everything that's within it, what about you? And to be a Muslim means to submit. We submit to the rules of Allah. We submit to the laws and the regulations, to the permissibilities, to the forbiddances. We submit to everything as a Muslim. So submit yourself wholeheartedly and submit yourself unapologetically. Jazakallahu khairan for listening to this week's episode of the Ramadan series. We look forward to benefiting with you all next week. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.